Like, how are we going to make that shift? How are we going to provide the information in a way that then teams and individuals become responsible for going and getting it? Which again, huge shift on the employee part. Hey gang, welcome back to Future Proof. Took a couple weeks off, a couple early summer weeks away from the show. Uh, I'm back now, ready to ready to go with episode number 146. Bill Sheridan here, by the way. Good to see you. Glad you're here. Glad to be here. As a matter of fact, uh, let's uh, let's start with this, shall we? This week's show is sponsored by the Business Learning Institute, which delivers competency-based curriculum courses, content, and community to maximize career trajectories and grow intellectual capital for organizational and executive leadership, hundreds of courses by dozens of instructors, and unlimited customization, too. Cool. Find out how the Business Learning Institute can help you by visiting blionline.org. It's been a rough couple of weeks, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, My sister died in early June, Uh, so I'm one of five kids. She was the second oldest, 59. She was, which, uh, you know, not as young and spry as she once was, as we all <laughs> once were once upon a time, but certainly too young for this, right? She, uh, she died of COVID or complications related to COVID, I guess you'd say. Uh, she lived in uh, central New York state near Rochester. So, uh, my family, yeah, my family and I, we've been, we've been dealing that uh, with that for, for a little while now and, uh, and we're not done dealing with it yet. And I tell you all this not to grovel for sympathy or condolences or attention, you know, or anything like that at all, but, but rather, uh, because of this. Okay. I I know, I know we're all excited about restrictions being lifted and getting back and and enjoying some of the things that we took for granted before all this began, uh, you know, like being together and then going to ball games and concerts and other events with lots of people throwing parties, right? All of it. And all that's great. I, I love, believe me, I love seeing that stuff return. I mean, that's, a, <laughs> that's why we did all this, right? So we could get back to doing some stuff like that. But listen, man, we're, I don't know, as we're enjoying life again, and, and believe me, we deserve it, right? <laughs> we do after everything we've been through. But as, as we're doing all that, just remember, this virus is still out there, okay? It hasn't gone anywhere. It's still there. It's waiting for us to screw up again. And, and, and it's a bastard, folks. It does not discriminate. And it will break your heart if you're not careful. So by all means, get out there. Enjoy this. You've earned it. But please, okay, please just take care of yourselves and your loved ones while you're doing it. That's all I'm going to say. Just, just be smart and be well, okay? Okay. All right. Enough of that. On with the show. Let's get on with it, shall we? And we got a good one this week. We're going to be uh, talking about remote work this week and why. I don't know about you, but I'm hard-pressed to think of another area of the working world that has been impacted as greatly uh, as this, right? How and where we work. I mean, the cat's out of the bag on this one, right? There's no going back to the way it was before. How we work, where we work, those, those things have just changed for good and and. Now it's up to us to kind of figure it all out, which brings me to my guest this week. She is Cassie Rushing. Cassie's a uh, a great person and a communication and people strategist who works with organizations to bring their cultural visions to life. She's got 
man, listen to this. She's got experience and expertise in workplace culture, high-performing teams, diversity, equity, and inclusion, leadership and pipeline development, employee engagement and communication strategy. I mean, all of that just makes her kind of the perfect person to talk to about the future of work. And, and Cassie gave a great presentation of the uh, MACPA's, one of the MACPA's recent town hall meetings for members. Uh, just a really fascinating stuff. Uh, great talk. And, and I'm glad she's here today. We're going to get to that conversation here in just a minute. First, here's what caught my eye this week. It, it's one of like, it seems like millions of articles that are out there right now about you know, they offer a, a little bit of advice really for employers that are starting down this road of implementing their own work from home strategy. So this article in particular is called allowing more work from home, avoid these common mistakes. And it is a Baltimore business journal article written by Ty West. Uh, and he offers a few tips for how organizations can navigate the minefields of, you know, things like potential HR headaches and tax pitfalls and other issues. Here's what he writes. He says, number one, okay, don't overlook your culture or your unique personalities. He writes, experts say there's no one-size-fits-all approach to the hybrid model. Every business and its uh, teams have their unique histories that will factor in to their post-pandemic dynamic. And one such expert uh, by the name of Alexandria uh, Schreckengost, I think I'm pronouncing that right, Schreckengost, Alexandria Schreckengoss, she says the largest thing is not losing the essence of the company just because you have teams dispersed all over the place. A lot of organizations are at a loss as to how not to lose that, right? Schreckengoss uh, suggests companies bring their mission statements to the forefront and work with employees to find the middle ground uh, that strikes a balance between productivity, flexibility, and achieving that mission. And by the way, as companies take those steps, she says we need to consider the different personalities and life situations in their offices. For example, some younger workers and recent college graduates may yearn for a full return to the office because they want the camaraderie and professional development opportunities that come with being on site. A more established worker with younger children or aging parents, on the other hand, may prefer a more flexible arrangement. So Schreckengost encourages companies to find common ground in those situations and make sure the employee knows the company is committed to finding a solution. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, don't forget to communicate. This is important. For many companies, the hybrid model will represent a vast departure from the pre-COVID-19 world. The number of businesses are embracing work-from-home setups for the first time. That's a big change on its own. Schreckengost uh, encourages companies to communicate through a variety of channels, including email, video chats, and events that bring the staff together. When those meetings occur, she suggests being transparent and also offering opportunities for workers to provide input on how the hybrid model is working. Uh, let's see, number three, don't make promises you can't keep. Good advice, right? When COVID-19 sent millions to a remote work environment last year, some companies were quick to pull the trigger on a permanent work from home arrangement. And then as the dust settled and companies researched tax implications and other consequences, many of those businesses had to take a step back 
from those declarations. Concerns over taxes are a common culprit, and experts say it's paramount that companies do their research on tax implications before announcing their policy. And finally, don't make decisions in a silo. In addition to research and due diligence, experts say companies need to have a dialogue with employees before finalizing policies. Schreckengoss says those conversations are important for maintaining culture because they help employees feel valued and included in the process, end quote. And again, that's all from a Baltimore Business Journal article uh, titled Allowing More Work From Home, Avoid These Common Mistakes. And yeah, there's that's just a little sliver of the advice that's out there. There's tons of other articles and advice out there about how to do this stuff right. So, you know, I couldn't be happier to have Cassie Rushing with me this week, an expert in workplace culture, uh, just the perfect sounding board, the the perfect bit of insight into all of this stuff that, that we, quite frankly, all of us are dealing with right now. We spent some time Recently talking about, you know, some of those other landmines that employers need to watch out for, the opportunities that are out there for us who figure out how to do all this right, right? what employees themselves can do to, to make this transition easier. Uh, and finally, you know, a look at the future of work itself. So great conversation this week about a really important topic for all of us today and, and really every day going forward uh, from this point on. So uh, shut Zoom down for a while, uh, kick back, take a listen to my conversation with Cassie Rushing. So Cassie, uh, where do you work? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. So um, I own a consulting practice. I also work through a couple of organizations. One is called Blue Hen, and we're an organizational health and development company. And then I'm also a thought leader through AICPA's Business Learning Institute. Previously, I worked in public accounting, though, for almost 15 years and um, bring a lot of that experience and just a lot of the insights about the intricacies of public accounting into the work I do now every day. That's great. Physically. Where are you? It looks like you're home, but... <laughs> I'm working from my home office, yes, and that is in Jackson, Mississippi. There you go. All right. And and, and how long has that been like the norm for you, um, working from home? So I've worked from home off and on since the middle of 2019, actually. Okay. By the time the whole world went to work from home, I was already... I had a home office set up already and was already, you know, all of my equipment and all of that ready to roll. So not too much shifted for me at that point. So I'm a couple of years into this being my norm. Okay. Was it a big adjustment for you? What, um, I mean, what was that like? Yeah. You know, I think that the, the biggest adjustment for me personally is I am an extrovert. And so I really feed off of interactions with, with people. Mm-hmm. And so I've had to really get creative in how to make that happen and how to, how to get that energy through collaboration. Um, but it's, it's totally doable. And I figured out my own rhythms, but that was my biggest adjustment. Um, I love the focus that I get working from home mm-hmm. and I've really learned to harness that. And I really love the flexibility that comes with being able to turn it on and off yeah. um, with the freedom that I need. I have three small children. And so um, the ability to start early if I want, and then as they get up, pause, and then as they get out the door for, for daycare, pick back up. Um, that's been just, I mean, 
is priceless as a working parent. Yeah, no kidding. That's that's great. So I I have to ask you because my wife's an extrovert as well, and she she and I have been working out of our home for you know it's ever since lockdown happened. And I, I'm just kind of curious what kind of things you've done to kind of maintain that connection, you know, because yeah. uh, I know there are a lot of people out there for whom this yeah. is just not an ideal situation. So, yeah. I, you know, if you're, if you're really, you know, starved for that kind of human connection, what do you, what do you do? Well, I mean, video has to be a priority for me. And mm-hmm. so to the extent that um, I can have conversations, you know, looking at someone on the screen, I do. And now that, I'm vaccinated. And now that a lot of my colleagues um, and and friends are, I'm also just making it a point to say, is it, is it time that, that we can meet in your office or is it, you know, can we just meet for coffee? So I have tried to prioritize one face-to-face, you know, get together over, over a week. Um, And, you know, my, my clients are opening back up to some degree. So I was in a client office this week for several, several hours and that feeds it. That gives me what I need. That's a, and more of that is, is, is on its way from the sounds of things. So, you know, and and as things start opening up, you know, like we were just talking about here, there, there are some people who just cannot wait get back to the office, right? right. My wife for one, uh, that's just her happy place. Right. And then there are others who just want to continue to work remotely right. full time from home. Is that hybrid model? Some in the office, some not, is that, is that the reality for employers going forward? Do you think it's 100% the reality, uh, statistically about one in five people never want to go back to the office. They want a permanent work from home, arrangement about one in five um, want to be back in the office full time, but you've got, you know, specific to public accounting, um, about 60% of the population saying we want the flexibility and the freedom to do both um, in a way that works for us and our clients. And so that's where the real challenge is, is because there's so many ways to think about it. I think of hybrid work um, more as really dynamic work. And so it's a, it's on a continuum. And so on one end, you're either in the office full-time or you're not full-time. And then on the other end, it's really fluid. And it's the ability to say today, what makes most sense is to do this. And tomorrow, what makes most sense is to, to be at home. And employers are going to have to figure out their threshold for that with employers and it's going to be a challenge. It's yeah. definitely going to be a challenge, but it is it is completely doable. And I think on the other side of it, the companies who do it well are going to say, wow, we've seen productivity, energy, engagement, intent to stay, uh, and how we serve our clients improve. That's that's my prediction. Well, let's talk about you know both sides of the coin here for a second. Mm-hmm. First of all, what are some of the landmines that, that employers are going to have to watch for? Yeah, um, there's a, a lot to manage these teams, you know, in, in multiple yeah. areas at the same time and all that What kind of yeah. challenges are there. Well, there's a lot. Um, I think first, um, the skills that it has taken historically to lead teams when you kind of can see them all, um, at least on some regular schedule, you're seeing them all. Hmm. How we've equipped managers and leaders in the past is going to have to shift. We've got to give that group of people responsible for leading others, leading projects, 
a new set of skills. And, and foundationally, we've got to learn how to build trust. Um, this hybrid work model is going to create, in some ways, the haves and the have nots if we're not very intentional about how we go forward. And so those who have information, those who don't, those who have visibility, those who don't, those who have access to leaders, those who don't, unless we're all aware of those dangers. And so given your leadership skill sets to navigate that, that also includes just the ability to clearly set expectations, clearly have accountability, knowing your rhythms for checking in on your team, empathy, is going to be a critical skill set for leading going forward. That's going to be a learned skill for, for many of our people leaders. So that's one of the landmines that comes to mind is that the current model for leading people in projects, this current skill sets are not enough going forward. Uh, and I think to further talk about those haves and have nots, um, I think a question we've got to ask is how are we going to ensure that nobody is left behind. The, the challenge in practical ways becomes those who work from home are out of sight, and that can often mean out of mind. Mm. Um, I think this has significant implications to, you know, your diversity, equity, and inclusion strategies in your firm. We're really going to have to take a step back and say, okay, we've got to evaluate what we're doing. And we've got to think about how do we embed those same concepts into a hybrid team model? And I think, I think too, Bill, we have to be having the conversations, not only as the employer to say, how are we going to manage for this? But we've also got to be talking to our people about what their responsibility to it is. So they've got to understand there's some trade-offs if you do work from home 100% of the time. They need to understand that visibility still plays into the equation when it comes to career opportunities and development. And so just not letting our people be, you know, ignorant to some of the consequences of their choices. And not letting them make those decisions in a silo. Um, there was an article that, that came out this week, actually, and it talked about, you know, don't let your employees pick the days that they work from home. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like that headline at all, um, because really what it's about is don't let your employees pick the days they work from home by themselves without having a conversation to collaborate and understand what the repercussions of that are. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the bigger picture because when we start talking about long-term career progress, I think one of the things that really gives me pause and where we're headed is that statistically more women than men are wanting to work from home more of the time. Mm -hmm. That's already an issue because of of pipeline problems and succession planning. And we already lose women at that, that manager level. And so we are already set back and I I fear that we're going to further set ourselves back if we're not just really, really intentional in how we craft our practices going forward. And I do think it's practices, Bill. I don't think it's a lot of policy. I think it's practices going forward. And it, 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 I mean, it seems like just hearing you talk through a lot of that, there's, there's obstacles on both sides, right. For, for employers and employees, we've almost 
everyone, it seems like almost has to relearn yes. how to, how to work. <laughs> almost. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think, I think on the employee side, there's going to be a significant shift in those who are high performing going forward and those who, who struggle. And I think the differentiator is those who can really take career ownership. And we, we throw that around a lot, but in this new way of work, those individuals who learn the skills to ask for feedback, to get really clear on how to communicate their long-term career aspirations so no one's guessing or making up things for them, who get really good at the skills that help them appropriately prioritize their work so that they're not making decisions in a vacuum about what they should be working on or what they shouldn't be working on, you know, what's most relevant to the company, what's most relevant to the business strategy. Those are going to be the employees who, who kind of surface as the next level of, of leadership and the, the superstars on a team, if you will. So those skill sets can be learned. They can be learned by anyone. But I think then on the employer side, the onus of responsibility to teach those starts to become some of that new, quote, learning and development track that we have to develop within our companies and firms. Are, are you seeing some best practices emerge here and there in terms of that type of, you know, the, mastering those new skill sets, right? Or, or innovative new strategies? I mean, who's doing this right at this point? <laughs> well, I will tell you that it's not happening fast enough. Yeah. I think that there are some groups out there that are asking the right questions. But more of what I see, Bill, is that there's a lack of awareness that anything's going to actually have to change. As we're having these conversations with firms and with companies right now, they're having a lot of aha moments. And so many firms are, are still in that. We just got to figure out what we're going to do with the people mode. You know, they're thinking about the practicality of people in the space. And if it's hybrid, are we going to hotel? And they're, they're really not enough companies and firms yet talking about how do we reskill? How do we teach these success practices and these success models? Um, the companies that are doing it, I can't name one for you right now, um, yeah. unfortunately. It's, uh, well, I mean, yeah. I think you're right. There's a, there's a lot of a rush to figure out how to get back to normal, right? Yeah. And and right. not enough thinking about how do we have to evolve, right? From here going forward, That's, yes, and it, it's it's a hard thing to do, but uh, but necessary at this point. I think so, and I think something that's a mindset shift that employers, and especially when we're talking about public accounting or are going to have to think about. It is now a candidate's market. And so um, I've been telling people the war for talent is over and the talent has won. And employees <laughs> are now in control. Gartner's research this year said that about 54% of knowledge workers agreed that their employer's approach to flexibility is going to affect whether or not they return to their organization. Wow, that's that important. Over half of our knowledge workers are saying, you know, I have realized I can work literally from anywhere for any company. And so the, the companies who recognize that I don't have to be rigid about where my people sit, how they work, as long as we have 
accomplishments that we're mutually agreeing on, those companies are going to win. And talent is sitting back and waiting to see what employers are going to do. Um, you know, the predictions right now are for, you know, the end of the year, end of 2022, what's being called the great resignation. A major reshuffling of the, of the workforce is coming. Wow. And for public accounting, I think that can be really scary and challenging because there's already such a need for talent. And I mean, every firm I know of is looking for managers and supervisors in, I mean, every firm. And so if you can't afford to lose that, and if you can't afford to lose a pipeline, um, you're going to have to think about how does your employer brand become most attractive in this new way of work? Well, it's interesting. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that we, you know, when we were talking about recruiting new employees, the technology was, was a big factor, right? You know, walking mm -hmm. into your office, what does it look like? Are they, right. they right. going to look around and think that they're, you know, taking a, a, a time machine back to the fifties or is it, right. like, you have right. the, the newest technology and now it's, it's, you know, this whole flexibility conversation has kind mm -hmm. of taken that, that, uh, taken its place. So. Right. And, uh, and that, I think, you know, to, to dig into that for a second, that's a place that firms and companies have to figure out their onboarding experience because onboarding is still critical to the overall employee journey and great onboarding experiences statistically contribute to longer stays and longer terms at, at the place of employment. Mm -hmm. So most firms the past year and a half, I would dare say we've just been surviving and we really have to make that shift to how are we going to succeed at virtual onboarding of talent? And there's, there's a lot to figure out with that. There's a lot to figure out with that. So, okay. Retention, recruitment, retention uh -huh. um, yeah. uh, is certainly a huge opportunity here for organizations that, that can figure this out and do it right. What, what other opportunities are out there? Does this, this hybrid work model kind of give us? Yeah. I think for those of us in professional services, we might be thinking a lot about us right now and about our employees and our organization, but we serve a lot of clients who are also going through the exact same struggles and many of them are also going to become, you know, hybrid or dynamic workplaces. Mm -hmm. And to be able to say, we can meet you in that, that's not a challenge for us. It's fine that, um, you know, our audit team needs to do X, Y, and Z. And the group that we need to be in front of is in four different states. That's not a problem. We can handle that. So I think that is an opportunity to really differentiate yourself as if you can come alongside clients meet them where they are seamlessly without any hiccups whatsoever in delivering, you know, services. I think that's certainly an opportunity. I do think that there is significant opportunity though in, you know, just telling your story in a way that attracts talent. There are companies who are going to do this so, so well, and it, it will become, I believe, the differentiator for for Gen Z as they're coming off college campuses and as they're looking for employment. So I think that's a critical thing too. And I have to say as a communications uh, professional, I, I love to hear that. <laughs> it sounds like telling me storytelling, you know, yes. figuring out how to do it and then telling the world how you did it 
is a huge opportunity for I think it is. I think it is. I think though, you know, I'm I'm a uh, communication strategist at heart, kind of everything I do comes out of that corporate communication mm-hmm. um, background as well. And so I, I do think one of the the other things that this hybrid work model challenges is that idea of very standardized communication practices. So we're used to that all team meeting or we're used to that, you know, delivery of a keynote at this in-person event. And okay, now everyone has the message. Well, right. Communication departments, um, HR teams, executive leadership is going to be really challenged to think about, you know, that asynchronous model for communication. Like, how are we going to make that shift? How are we going to provide the information in a way that then teams and individuals become responsible for going and getting it? Which, again, huge shift on the employee part. But that wasn't the question. So the original question was opportunities. So I see an opportunity in that we have seen this shift away from formality and rigidity. And I think that's a huge opportunity. I think it's a huge opportunity for companies because we've become really personal over the past year and a half with our people um, and with our clients. And I would offer that that relationship and that human connection component is something that we want to take with us out of everything that came out of 2020. We want to keep that piece. Mm -hmm. And for, again, the firms that figure out how to do that and do that well, it will be a competitive advantage. That's that's a a great piece of insight right there. Okay. So I know the list is long here, but if you, Mm -hmm. if you could boil these down to maybe one, I'm thinking employers, employees, if there's one Uh thing that say employers Mm -hmm. can do to make this transition easier, what would it be? Use your employees. Don't feel the pressure to come up and with all the answers or solve all your problems mm-hmm. sitting in a boardroom by yourself. Do this together. Your employees have so, so much insight and wisdom about what can make this work. And so engage them, ask them questions, use them as knowledge leaders within your firm to figure out what works, what's not working and go to them often. And, and, and I'm thinking specifically, Bill, about things like let them tell you what tech tools and, and communication tools are and aren't working. Um, we've seen so many firms just kind of go overboard with so many tools and they're they're starting to become distracting. Right. So like let your people tell you what works and what doesn't. Let them help you set some some guidelines. Um, you know, KPMG just came out this week and talked about some of their their guardrails or best practices that they put up. And it was some things like Fridays are for off camera. So they're going to do their best not to have on camera meetings on Fridays and they're going to do their best to not hold meetings on Wednesday afternoons. I think if I remember that correctly, I am absolutely sure that their employees spoke into that. So let your employees help guide this, right? We, Zoom gig's a real thing, right? I mean. It is so real. And I shared recently with a group, a phone call can still be a really, really great way to accomplish the task at hand. Um, so let's not forget that. But yeah, rely on your employees to help you navigate this and be honest with them. Um, but the, the biggest failure I see right now 
is that employees are just not communicating with their people about their game plan. I think they're really set on wanting to have a game plan in place so that they can communicate it with precision and this is it. And employers are not going to get there fast enough before employees are really feeling anxious and uncertain. And the longer they wait, I think the intent to leave and that intent to start looking for other opportunities on the employee's part is just, is growing. Yeah. Like, like you said, there's, there's so many other opportunities out there, you know, So many. Yeah. How about employees? What can they be doing um, to kind of make this an easier transition? So employees need to own their careers. And I don't mean that in a cliche way, like they need to own asking questions. They need to own accountability. They need to own raising their hand when something is not feeling right, not looking right. They need to own sharing their long-term career aspirations. These are things that when you're all sitting in an office together, even though working hard and keeping your head down has never been a great career progression strategy, it sometimes was good enough to wait until you got asked. And I think in this model going forward, that's that's going to leave a lot of people behind. And so learning those skill sets and not not treating it as, well, that's something she's good at because she's very vocal and it becoming the individualized route to career progress. Mm -hmm. So that's what that's what I think employees have to do is really own it full out, especially in that, you know, given that that out of sight, out of mind, yes. kind of, you know, you, you really have to make that extra effort to, yes. to <laughs> let people know that you're still here, you know? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I've worked, I worked for years with, within this model long before 2020, where I had um, dispersed team members who were individual contributors at locations in the country that we didn't have offices. Mm-hmm. And so they, had to learn, but I had, I had to teach them too, as a manager, you know, how to best connect with me. When could I be available to them? How frequently I wanted to be talking about their career um, and making it okay for them to bring those conversations up. So lot, lots of communication required, lots and lots and lots of communication required. More than ever. Um, so I, uh, you know, you keep hearing this, this, uh, conversation about the future of work and, and mm-hmm. this, this isn't even the future of work that we're talking about, right? This is here right now. So <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of curious, what, what does the actual future of work kind of look like to you? I mean, where, how do we, where do we evolve from here? Mm, that's a great question. You know, I think the future of work is much more about how I serve and what I accomplish It is no longer about where I do it or the hours in which I do it, Mm -hmm. which means that I may work next week from the beach. I may work the following week from my parents' home. I may not work at all the next week, but I'm trusted to manage my outcomes and serve clients in a way that delivers excellent service. And as long as I'm accomplishing that, no one, I think, I think five years from now, it's not even going to occur to someone to ask where you work from mm-hmm. other than, hey, I'm coming to, you know, San Diego next week. I think you live there. Can you give me some restaurant tips? Right, right. Well, it's going to be fascinating to see how this all plays out, not only, you know, 
directly after the pandemic, but for years to come, it's, you know, I, I don't know if any of us thought that a year ago that a change this big was about to happen, but yeah. it really has happened. And, and it's, it's going to be fascinating to see where it goes from here. So. It is, but again, opportunity, like that's the takeaway. There's so much opportunity if we'll shift our mindset toward that. So we got, we've, we got to take hold of what's in front of us. There's just so, so many benefits to, to harnessing all of the opportunity in front of us right now. Well, Cassie, fantastic conversation. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for the insights. I appreciate everything. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Bill. Really great insights there from Cassie Rushing. She is a communication and people strategist who works with organizations to bring their cultural visions to life. You can learn more by visiting CassieRushing.com. And uh, don't forget to check out the show notes for this week's show. We've included links to just a few of the more insightful uh, work from home articles that are out there right now. And don't forget this week's sponsor, is the Business Learning Institute, the BLI's Future Ready Learning Framework, outlines the skills that CPAs need to thrive in the rapidly changing world of accounting and finance. That framework is all about gaining and maintaining deep technical knowledge along with a strategic skill set. And here we're talking about strategic aptitudes that have been identified as most crucial for tomorrow's CPA. Start mastering these future ready skills now by visiting MACPA dot org slash future dash learning dash framework. Whew, and that's uh, what that was a mouthful, folks. That's all I've got. Have a great week. We'll talk to you again soon.